projects and playlists. This is the Beat on Bits podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Beat on Bits podcast, a show about passions, projects, and playlists. This show is about discovering new passions, revisiting old passions through the form of various projects and playlists. And on today's episode, we're going to explore the passion of cycling, Albert's passion of cycling. So I have Albert joining me today on the show. He is my first guest of the new season. He was also first guest of the original season. Yeah, this is Albert here. And he's going to talk about cycling. I'm, I'm his guinea pig. Yeah, he, he's the guinea pig for the new season. So we'll see how this goes. And yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to wait. I'm going to ask him some questions about cycling. And for anyone who's interested in that, they can learn something new. And mainly my goal behind the new podcast is to ex- what's the right word I'm looking for I guess like uh, give you some exposure to all kinds of different uh, areas of interest and in other people's passions and then maybe the hope is you can discover something that's interesting to you and then learn about how to get started in it or maybe just be inspired yourself to reconnect with a passion that you've kind of let fall off to the side for a while or just feel good about doing what you're currently doing with regards to whatever passions you have. So this is a show about that, all the stories of various people's passions, how they discovered them, what they've done with them, where it's taken them, and kind of how that whole journey has been. So if that interests you, stay tuned for the rest of the episode. So let's start things off with a brief introduction of who this guy is today. This is my old-timey friend, Albert, and I've known him for quite a while. We've uh, connected through various mutual passions like DJing and... Eating. Eating and, and DJing. So, and drinking. Yeah, various things like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I wanted to get him on the show today to talk specifically about his passion for cycling because I think it goes back a very long way. And actually, the first time that I met Albert, he biked all the way to my house from pretty much the opposite end of the city. And he joined my uh, barbecue in his full cycling outfit and then got wasted and had to be driven home and then came back the next day to pick up his bike and then bike home again. So <laughs> I think his passion for cycling predates his passion for DJing, which we uh, made some pros with together further down the road, which we can talk about another time. But yeah, I think, because I don't know much about it either, I think it'd be interesting to learn more about where your passion for cycling started, uh, what kind of sparked it, what kind of interesting stuff have you done related to cycling since you discovered that you like cycling. And uh, yeah, just we'll kind of structure the conversation around that. So I was thinking we can just start at the, 
well, at the beginning, and then you can jump around as much as you'd like. So what first got you into cycling, would you say? I think so. I, I started riding a bike pretty late in life. I kind of taught myself how to ride a bike when I was like 11, maybe 10 or 11, which is pretty, pretty late. Um, and I kind of taught myself because I didn't want to be the kid at school. Like we were supposed to have like a, a ride bikes excursion, like as part of like outdoor education. And I was like, I don't want to be the one kid who doesn't know how to ride a bike. Um, and go on this trip and have to sit out. So I, I kind of forced myself to, to ride a bike. Um, and I already had one. I just never really used it. So that was kind of like my first exposure to, to riding a bike in general, just as a kid. And then kind of, I guess growing up, you kind of, you, you know, you ride to your friend's house or whatever, and it's not a big deal. So I've kind of been like riding around kind of my entire life like you know when you're like 13 or 14 you're like oh i'm going to so-and-so's house i'll i'll be by be by later and they live like halfway across the city right yeah um and then i think it kind of i kind of stopped in high school um because i got addicted to world of warcraft <laughs> okay and and kind of it, it came back because I I got out of high school and this is this is the where the real where the real story begins. It's like when you're an adult. Um, I was kind of like taking my bus or taking the bus everywhere. Yeah, like and, you're talking about when you're when you're an adult in high school and like you finish grade twelve at the age of twenty three, right? Yeah, twenty. Uh, I was more like twenty four and a half. Um, okay so so just like a slight late bloomer but that's not too bad i won't hold that yeah yeah um so so i was just like really tired of waiting for the bus all the time and i was like well you know if i'm waiting for the bus i bet you i can get there faster with a bike right so i like i bought a shitty like cheap bike and i was like ah whatever i'm just gonna you know go do go to my summer job on this thing right and then when you have a summer job, then you have money and then you appreciate um, kind of how like you, you start to appreciate nicer stuff. So I, I guess like it was kind of like that summer job and riding around as a commuter that kind of opened me up to like being more serious because when you're just riding to your friend's house, if it's raining or whatever, you're like, ah, I don't care. But like when you're going to work and stuff, it's like, oh, you're raining. Oh, well, I don't really have a choice. I'm going to put my raincoat on and go. Um, and the distances are a little bit longer. But it's kind of like choosing to do something yourself instead of just doing it because everyone else is doing it. And it was kind of like the first thing in my life where I had like agency that I wanted. I'm doing this thing because I want to do this thing and not because my, my parents put me in it or my friends were doing it. Um, or it was cool to do or whatever. It was just like, I'm going to do this thing because it, it works out for me. Hmm. So, so that was like one of the first things that like you could really own for yourself. Yeah. It was like, I can do this by myself. I don't need, I don't need like someone else to like take care of this for me. Like even with a car, like you weren't buying your own car, right? You're like boring your parents or whatever and you're under their insurance. So it's like, you still kind of like, you're still under their terms. And this was like, I can go wherever I want whenever I want on my own terms for like, you know, you know, it's like, it's, it's a new kind of freedom, right. That you don't get 
um, unless you kind of own your own car. Yeah. Which was, which is something I don't know about you, but like as 18, I was broke as hell. Right. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I had my own like Ferrari when I was 16 that I owned with my earned with my hard earned money. Like everyone, everyone else. But yeah, no, yeah, I totally understand. So you, you got your sense of freedom and sense of ownership for cycling when you were a broken 18, but then a even, broken 18, that, that sounds like something you would type into Google for a good time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. I have no idea about this whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, but I think that's a position that a lot of people could find themselves in, but a lot of people don't go on to like join a cycling club and, and like start wearing spandex and get long helmets. So what pushed you over that next hurdle? I, okay. So the more you ride a bike, you naturally get a little bit faster, right? Like, Oh, I I can, I want to see how far I can go, how fast I can, you can, I can go. So like, I, I bought like a little speedometer. It's like a tiny little thing that tells you how fast you go and how far you can go based on um, how many times your wheel spins. And it was kind of like, oh, I can quantify how much I'm riding now. And you always want to go faster. You want to go further. And um, after a certain point, like if, if you ride enough, and this was mine, mine was completely organic, right? Like I didn't Google how to get faster at cycling. I, was, I just rode, I just rode my bike a lot. Right. And I kind of explored on my own terms. And one day, like I just ran into some people who were riding as, as part of a club and they're like, Hey, you want to come ride with us? And I'm like, ride with you. Like I'm, I'm doing pretty good on my own. Like, what do you mean? Right. It's like, Oh no, we're a club. We'll, you know, you come hang out. We'll teach you how to get better and all that kind of stuff. So you know, didn't get help the that they were like in a dark alley at, that you rode by. And you heard them call yeah, out. Yeah, no. And then, and then they, they offered me some candy, and they're you know they had a van nearby, and I was like, I don't know. Um, but they were just like hanging out in the river valley, like because that's that's what you know cyclists do essentially, right? Like in a warm summer day, if you're just waiting for your friends to catch up, you're you're not you're just hanging out, right? Um, so that was hardcore cycling club. Um, they still exist today. Uh, they're a mountain bike club because I my my first like real bike was a mountain bike i I fancied myself um a mountain biker you know being from edmonton there's not a whole lot of mountains around here but um we do have great trails but that's a slightly unrelated topic so yeah like i got the invite and then i kind of joined with the shitty bike and i was like you know what like it's time to get even a nicer bike because that's what i need to to not keep up but like i guess fit in i just want like and then you kind of go down the rabbit hole of like doing like internet research and what's the best i can get for like the amount of money i have and then by now um all my money from my is like going into this because i have like no bills or anything right and then i'm using like you know you use your student loans you you get like x amount of dollars and then you're like oh well um, they give you some for food and some for, for, um, room. And they're like, no, I'm just going to spend on bikes and live at home and eat ramen. Right. So that's like how I afforded like my first like expensive bike. Right. So how, how much was your first expensive bike? 
I honestly, I don't know because I kind of put it together from parts, but I'd probably say like two grand. Whoa. At like, and, and what kind of bikes were you riding before this, this $2,000 bike? Well, the, the first like bike I, okay. So now we're talking like, this is my third bike, um, in adulthood. Right. So my second one was a thing I bought from sport check for like 600 bucks and 600 bucks is still kind of like a lot to buy for like a bike. Um, if you're kind of a casual rider. Yeah. So it's still, it's still a lot for a bike, but like in, in like, it, it would definitely be considered like an entry level bike. It's just, it, it's good. Um, but it's not light. It's, it doesn't perform as well as the more, more expensive stuff, but, I was like, oh, you know, I wanted something flashier and nicer. So I, I found like, you, you know, you have all the time in the world. So you look for deals on the internet and you buy like frames that I, I think I built it up. I learned how to build a bike on that bike. Hmm. So, um, yeah, so, so I bought that bike and yeah. That's a pretty big jump. Did you notice the, um, like the difference in performance and everything like pretty noticeably it was definitely noticeable yeah yeah but to say i was good enough to actually make it matter was is a completely like right now you're i'm like a 21 year old who barely knows anything who who has a little bit of money to spend and not that great of a rider right Right. like you just want shiny shit yeah um so yeah like it was just something that i got right um and then what happened was i wasn't riding it enough because it's a mountain bike and it's hard to get into mountain biking in edmonton again unless you know the trails really well right um which by the way you should join a club because i'll tell you all the sweets where all the sweet stuff is um so like i ended up um selling it without riding it that much. It was basically still almost completely brand new. And I, I sold like I sold it and, and bought myself a road bike because I, I thought to myself, like, I don't own a car. I can't drive to the mountains and do big rides. So I was like, if I get a road bike, I can ride from like my front door. And as soon as I ride from my front door, it's great. Instead of having to ride a, a big heavy bike until I get to a trail. Right. Mm, yeah so so you did you enjoyed the mountain biking at first but then thought more in practical terms and decided yeah. to switch to a road bike so you're it, just becoming more of a commuter was, than like uh than like doing it as a hobby kind of thing yeah pretty pretty much and then yeah kind of and then i would peg getting my first road bike would, would be like the the beginning of the path that set me to like kind of where i am because i kind of dabbled in mountain biking but i wouldn't call myself a mountain biker i'm definitely more of a road biker than a, a mountain biker right right sorry i just got a i guess i got a pop-up window from zoom saying that yeah. oh you've you've surpassed 40 minutes uh but it's free because we're cool like okay cool you didn't need to interrupt my damn call to tell me that anyway yeah no i got the same pop-up oh you did yeah i just oh. that that was me clicking it away oh i thought you just like 
I didn't realize that makes sense. We stopped talking at the same time and got distracted from, yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, for those of you watching the video, this is the first time we're trying this uh, social distancing edition of the show. So we're using Zoom uh, to get this recorded. So bear with us over any technical difficulties like what you just heard. Anyway, moving on, uh, picking up where you left off. So you gave up mountain biking to just do road biking. Uh, but even like, it, it sounds like you kind of weren't super into the mountain biking, like you enjoyed it, but then you're just like, fuck, I may as well just switch to road biking and then get yeah, it, I, I never got really good at it. Yeah. Um, mountain biking is one of those things where you have to like pre pre be pretty decent at both fitness and technical skill to like really enjoy it. And, and like, uh, yes and no, we can, we can talk about that later. Um, I, I just say dangerous. Cause I, I flipped over the handlebars, like going down a dirt path on a mountain bike one time trying yeah. to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think everyone has a story about how they, how they flipped over the handlebars because, um, <laughs> they grabbed it from break. No, like no, it's for, for real, right? Yeah. And that kind of that kind of scares them from doing something on the bike. Um when you really should be just just use your brake front brakes a little bit less. Like don't grab it. Because your your first reaction is always to grab your front brake, right? And, and that's basically the worst thing you can do. Um, but time and time again you hear stories of people grabbing a whole handful of brake and flipping over the bars, right? Yep. Um because it's definitely happened to me. I think it happened to me like definitely a lot, not a lot, but like when I was like first getting into like mountain biking, because mm-hmm. um, the brakes are definitely strong enough to, to, to make you fly over. Um, so anyways, that was like a little, little, I, I think everyone, you know, has the same, same experience, right? Most of the time you don't get hurt, but sometimes you break your wrist or something. You get hurt. Yeah. I don't know. Well, n- not, I got scraped up a bit, but nothing too serious. I was going very slow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it, I was just a terrible mountain biker. Like, let's, let's be real. I was, I was a terrible mountain biker because I couldn't ride enough. Didn't know where the trails are. And like, if you ride with a group and you're, you're, you're not keeping up, right. You're like, ah, whatever. See you guys later. Now I'm in the middle of the forest somewhere and have to ride home. Right. Yeah. Without your pants, nonetheless. Yeah, you know when they caught, get caught on a branch, and because I wear tearaways, um, they 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 they, they come off pretty quickly. Uh, so you know, free balling it through the forest is kind of. You you were you were you were in your early twenties, so tearaways were still fashionable. Dude, I was a fashion disaster. I mean, I still am, but. <laughs> um, I do own tear. I used to own tearaways. So that that is like a thing. I think all of us over the age of like 28 probably owned a pair of tearaways at some point in their life. Maybe even younger. Cause those are popular probably. Yeah. Like Cause everyone, everyone 90s. thought it was cool, but like, yeah, yeah. but they really, yeah. weren't. we've been junior high. Like, early yeah, no, they're, they weren't cool. Uh, like why? Like, like you, you were like, you're not a track star. Yeah, or a basketball player. But even if you were to ride like anything, uh, any pants on a bike that are like kind of baggy, 
you don't you risk your those pants getting like eaten by the bike chain because i've had that happen uh, on multiple occasions as well yes yes <laughs> long story long story short yes um i mean you can always if you're really up a bind you could always like tape your cuff but then you have to untape it when you get home but most people just roll it up and then you look really dorky and everyone sees your sock if you're not wearing nice socks and it's like oh well um so most people just roll it up or buy pants that aren't baggy yeah but yeah so you couldn't keep up with the rest of your mountain bike crew was this the same crew that like initially recruited you into joining a club yeah yeah and and you just show up and you don't know how bad you are though right you're just like hey come ride with us because i was like pretty okay like on the road right yeah um i wasn't i wasn't like technically good but i had like just because i've been riding like to work every day and then after that i'd just be like oh i'm just gonna go for a ride um well hey if you can stay on your mountain bike on the pothole infested edmonton roads i think you're doing pretty good yeah (laughs) thank you uh 21 year old me would love to have heard that oh well we can Um, talk about the the um uh positive um what's the word re re affirmations or whatever you were lacking in your early 20s later but let's continue with the bike story (laughs) sure um so i'm like now 22 21 22 like i was in like the last year of school and i was like like skipping school to ride my bike essentially or or i didn't really skip any school like i had a lot of free time i guess to ride my bike and i was like you know what like when you when you're 21 or 22 you think like you're hot shit right and you're like hmm i could like race or something i could get pretty good at this right and you don't know how how good you actually are compared to everyone else. You're just like, no, I'm, I'm hot shit. Right. Like you think you're good. Um, so I'm like, okay, how do I prove that I'm good? Right. You, you race. Right. And, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. I'll, I'll do this racing thing just, just to see how good I am compared to everyone else. And in order to race, you have to buy a race license. You have to join a club you have to get all the kit um you have to figure out where all your races are yada 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 yeah and um yeah and it's and it's kind of and and i kind of downplay it a lot because um as i've as i've had more experience getting people into racing it's actually quite difficult um if you're not super self-motivated right like like for example i'll i'll use you as an example like what what made you go into uh, jujitsu? Did you just want to do it, or did you have a f- friend that could help you out? Right. Yeah, I didn't. Ne- well, I knew some people who were already doing jujitsu that I knew I could talk to about it, but I would. I didn't necessarily go into it because I wanted to be like a pro or win a bunch yeah. of tournaments and stuff. But but it it was more of like a a thing that you can do, but you also have people that you can kind of use as a resource, right? Yeah. Um, you didn't go into it blind and, and I feel, and this is like, let's fast forward like seven years as I try to get really new people who are interested in racing and, and what kind of hurdles that they had to go through versus what I had to go through. Right. Cause yeah. I was just like, I just Googled 
how to race a bike and then just did everything on the list. Right. Mm. Um, and, and not everyone is self-motivated enough to do that. Right. Like they like the idea of racing, but like when they see about like the, the half dozen things they have to do before they can actually line up at the race, they're like, ah, it's not worth it. Or maybe next year or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, um, a big struggle is to find people again, fast forwarding seven or eight years until my, my current, um, place where I, I help other people get into the sport. It, it's finding them the support system that, that lets them race and be accountable to like their own racing and have, and have fun doing it. Like it, it's almost the, the most important part, right? If you just show up and get your ass handed to you after doing all this stuff and you go home, you're like, I'm never doing that shit again. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, I sign up for my first race, uh, Wait, so how old are you now? I, I think last we left off, you were about 52. We fast forwarded. Yeah, so I'm, I'm 75 now. Um, that was about 20, 23 years ago. Okay, and you're doing your first race at 75? 20, 54. Oh, 50, okay, 54. But, right. but actually, I was like 20, 22 probably. Um, oh, damn, that's two years from now. So, <laughs> uh I don't know about you. No. Um, so I'm like 22. I, I think I'm hot shit. So I like, I, you know, I've been riding my bike every day. I got a road bike. I got all this, all the spandex. I joined a club, show up, get the shit kicked out of me. Like, like, was it just because you were wearing tearaways or did you actually just like do bad in the race? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I lost the race and got the shit kicked out of me for wearing tearaways. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I showed it up at like this thing and then you get, you get, you kind of get put into like the lowest category cause you have to work your way up. Yeah. So I'm like in the lowest category, but you at the same time, the, the lowest categories for basically has two types of people, people who really don't know what they're doing and people who come there from another sport who are ready fast and are just there to like go up quickly. Right. What, so what like, other sports would someone come from that would really benefit them? getting into um, racing speed skating cross-country skiing triathlon running okay. not so much but you see a lot of runners so just um, things that would like give you massive quads basically yeah massive massive endurance um i think cycling and speed skating are the only thing that give you quads uh running doesn't give you quads if you ever see every yeah 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 that's what i mean like <laughs> runners are mostly like slim right yeah, they're super slim. They're like 120 pounds and like five foot three. And you're like, what? Yeah. And they're all the same build, um, which is interesting about cycling. If, if we want to go off on that tangent for a bit. And if you look at the, like the start line of like a, a world level race, you yeah. see everyone in every size. Like they're all fit. They're all like low body fat. Right. But they're all like, yeah. some guys are like six feet and like 200 pounds. And some guys are like five foot three and 120. Right. Which oh, wow. is a fairly all in the same race. race. Yeah. They're all in the same race. And, and it, it, it's kind of interesting because in, I feel like in very few other sports where you get a really big, like range of, of body types. Right. Like if you look at gymnasts, female gymnasts in particular, they're, they're all one body type. And then male gymnasts are all one body type. 
and everyone who's a sprinter at the Olympics, one body type, right? Yeah. But I guess, I guess, uh, I wanted to ask on this note because I'm, I'm, I have a, like, I guess more of a, like a combat sports background. So I'm used to categories being like by weight. So how do the categories work in cycling? Because you can have what sounds like such a diverse range of people in the same category. Is it just based on like previous race times or something? Uh, time doesn't matter. It's just results. Um, it's just how well you've done. Oh, like where you've and placed. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. The So category five is the lowest one. And category one is the highest. Category one means you're uh, a national level pro. And oh. then after that, um, you like technically if you're an international level pro or you're a national level pro, you're still cat category one. Right. Um, so c- category two is basically you're the only way to go from two to one is if you get hired by a pro team. So basically if you're category two, either you're not good enough or you're too old or you're just waiting for a contract. Right. Okay. So no one really makes it to category one on their own. They have to be part of a, a team to make that happen. Yeah, so so in Alberta you have to be you have to be provincial champion, which means you're you've won the most races this year. Mm-hmm. Um or you get hired by a pro team. That's the only way you get into that category. Right. And you so made it to what was the highest category you made it to? I am halfway to two. So what is that, like two and a half? In between two and three? Uh so I'm category three but i have half the amount of uh results that i need to get into two okay and then what is like the gap in difficulty between like five to three because you started in five right at, at the lowest yeah one? i started in five um so would you say you're like <laughs> did your skill double at each step or like how would you quantify that that's hard to it's it doesn't have because the thing with cycling is like time doesn't really matter. It's just how well you do in comparison to your peers. Mm, um, yeah. Cause it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, you still won. Um, oh. Like that's like, so, so if you look at results, you'll see that everyone within a certain distance yeah. um, gets the same time. Right. Uh, so like say the winner gets an hour and 10 minutes, right? That's yeah, a really yeah. short race. Let's just say it's an hour and 10 minutes and the guy behind him like right behind him also gets an hour and 10 minutes. And the guy right behind him gets an hour and 10 minutes, but it doesn't matter because one guy was first, the next guy was second, next guy was third. Right. right? Um, so times it, it, Oh shit. My nose is bleeding. (laughs) You see that you're getting that excited talking about bikes. (laughs) Uh, So long story. I've actually had a nosebleed almost every day for the last two weeks why just dryness in the air or what i i think so um i actually had my nose cauterized uh two days ago but it's obviously not working oh so cauterization is a real fun real fun by the way you did you shove how many tampons per nostril uh zero i'm just gonna Uh, let it well that's why it didn't work (laughs) um I still got, I think, six tampons in my sinuses right now. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're great. Yeah, they're, they're there forever. Yeah. Uh, I think we're good. Okay. 
Uh, well, I'm, I'm like, going to leave that in to show that uh, podcasting is an extreme sport and blood was drawn by my first guest of the new season. Yeah, totally. So, I, I got so excited. So if, you, um, if, if this is an experience you want to go through, send me a message and you can be on a future episode of the podcast and maybe there will be blood. Moving on. Yeah, so um, I think it's really hard to to quantify in terms of like a, a real sense how much better you have to be. Yeah. Um, kind of, you know, if you want to put it in this, in a step, like let's say you're a recreational cyclist, you, you kind of do like you, you ride a, a few times on the weekend, right? Yeah. Um, let's say you ride two hours every Saturday. Right, like it's like it's your thing, right? Like uh, it's Saturday, I'm going to go for a bike ride. And if that's all you did, you would get shot out the back of Category Five pretty fucking quick. Like you'd last like ten minutes, right? Unless wow. you were, unless you were like really gifted. But if you're like an average Joe, um, who just rode a bike once in a while, you you pretty quickly, um lose the race like you like you you're always trying to like keep up with the pack and as soon as you don't keep up with the pack you've lost right like you're, you might as well just go home like there's no catching back on right um so that was me at like my first category five race right like i was riding five or six hours a week just just riding casually and yeah you know i lasted 15 minutes right and then I rode the rest of that race alone i think i still got the finish sometimes they they, they pull you off because they don't want you on the road being like a, an obstacle. So my first race I actually got to finish, but my second race, I got to race seven minutes of it and, and had to go home because they uh, took me off course. Wow. So even with your second race, like having that first race under your belt was not enough to like, no, keep you conditioned to keep up with the pack. No. Cause the, the race itself isn't, it's, it's a fairly short, like, the first race I did was Pigeon Lake Road Race, um, and it's it's a two-hour race, right? Like you're not you're not getting any better in two hours, right? Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, like it, and I kind of like was really shitty for a lot a lot. Um, I kept on like entering races, and I was like, oh, you know, as long as I'm not last, I'm not doing terribly i guess but you know you'd be like third last or whatever but were you last in the first two um no maybe i mean there's a lot of other people who are like me right like um just just people who kind of don't know what they're doing or like don't know the level you need to do in order to like yeah so it it wasn't like the whole crowd left you behind but they left like a small group of you behind yeah, and then you're like, oh, these are the people who also don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so that's kind of that. And and then you have to be fairly successful in Cat 5. You have to, you basically have to top five, like, five times to get out, right? Oh, wow. Um, Is there a time frame or just, like, in general? Uh, two years. Oh, okay. So you have to do it in two seasons. Um and then you and have to kind of meet these. These are like official requirements before they let you enter in higher category races. Yeah, they tell you, hey, you know, 
you've been upgraded and do you want to accept this upgrade or not? Oh, cool. um, and if you're, if you're below, if you're younger than 30, they, they force the upgrade upon you. If you're over 30, they ask you if you want to upgrade because you're old balls now. Okay. What if you're above 75? They give you a standing ovation for upgrading. Wow. Well, at least someone gives you a standing ovation because you can't give your cell phone anymore, if you know what I'm saying. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Uh, excuse but me. How did... I, <laughs> my little blue pills are... Uh, I have plenty, so I can... I, so you, you got into racing uh, to see or to prove to yourself that you were good because you thought you were hot shit. But then when you came near last twice in a row, what kept you going? Or did you just refuse to accept that you were not good as, it wasn't, yeah, as I were it, or what? You kind, of, you kind of make a decision there. You're like, am I, do I want to keep this up? And the reality is this was like the first thing that, I really chose for myself. So I was like, hell yeah, I want to keep this up. I don't care if I'm terrible at it. I'm going to get better at it. Right. Like it's, you know, if you, if you get knocked down, just come back stronger. Right. Um, and you're going to keep me down. Don't. Yeah. No, let's not go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not reviving that song today. Okay. Um, it might, it may be already too late, but let's just pretend it didn't happen. So like, you know, I start, I, I do the whole year being pretty shit at races. I mean, there's maybe at this point in time, I'm not at the point where I'm traveling for races. So there's maybe like three that you can get to in Edmonton pretty easily. Like you can ride your bike to, or you can bum a ride off someone. Okay. So they're like all pretty close. They're, they're, you don't have to make a road trip out of it. Yeah. Like in Edmonton. Right. So like, being me i'm like not traveling for like some to finish last or whatever so like i have like maybe two seasons of just kind of like riding my bike and being really shitty at races right like did you change anything really, like with the preparation that you did prior to the races in the first few or not just... really because i thought i was doing all that i could right because you're at six hours per week yeah because yeah, you're kind of like I, I i have other things i have like my my day job oh okay, yeah fair enough yeah. Um, I, I like playing games. I was still, was I still playing World of Warcraft? No, this would have been like, I just quit type deal, right? Were you, and you're just, you were still in school at this point, right? Yeah, like late school, like just graduated, looking oh, for okay. a job, first job, like kind of like that, that transition time, right? Yeah. So things were still up in the air in other aspects of your life. So it's not like you could yeah. dedicate a whole lot of time to training for cycling, right? And, and also because like, I just wasn't disciplined. Right. Like, yeah, I had a lot of, like, even if I had a lot of free time, you're like, no one, no one's telling you, you have to ride this much day or you have to ride this much day. I was like, Oh, it's a sunny day. I might as well go ride until I get tired. Right. Which is a terrible, terrible strategy. If you actually want to get faster, cause you're just always tired Yeah, and you ride like twice, twice a week at most, or, or sometimes it's really rainy and you don't ride at all. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like, it was a couple of years to, of, of just being like a shitter, right? Like I think about it now, I'm like, I'm, I was pretty bad. I, I spent a lot of time just being bad. Mm -hmm. um, one might argue that I am still terrible. <laughs> so I don't think I, you get to cat three or almost cat two being terrible though. 
from what it sounds like. But you never, but you never look behind you. You just kind of look at the people in front of you. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Like when you, like, like in anything in life, like when you get promoted at your job, do you look at your old position and be like, Oh man, I came from there. Or do you look at whatever's next to you next, next up, up the ladder and be like, I'm coming for you next. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Like you always look forward and notice that you're missing something in order to pull yourself there. So. Yeah. So like, you know, from my point of view, yeah, it, it sounds like bragging, but at the same time, I don't really think about, the people that have beaten you think about the people that beat you, right? Oh, you mean you don't just like cruise by like elementary schools and laugh at the kids falling off their bike and then pop their tires and be like, ha, you suck. You don't deserve to ride a uh, bike. Did you get a nosebleed again? And now I bet you have to call your mom because you can't uh, ride your flat home. Yeah. And the cops because I violated my parole. Wow. You're really, it's really pouring out. Yeah. I think what's happening is, uh, the jokes I'm making are so bad that they're causing physical pain to physical the extreme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good thing I got, I've got this, uh, actually I just ran out. Look at all this toilet paper. Yo, you, oh, good luck finding more. That's scarce. We're in scarce times. Yeah. You're going to just have to shove I the also, toilet brush up your nostrils. I actually also have a towel. Like I've been, I've been using this towel because I, I pretty much expected a nose, like I expect a nosebleed to happen sometime during the day now. So I'm like, Oh, look at that. I have a towel handy. Nice. Um, well, but the show must go on, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to edit this out. We gotta, we gotta give him the real raw live footage. Like I, I don't care, dude. I don't care. Um, so yeah, like I just do like a couple years of being terrible at racing bikes. Um, and then what happened is that, uh, I, I ended up getting, getting a girlfriend and I really, really stopped riding my bike as much as I, I wanted to, um, because girls take up a lot of time. I say that, I say that if it's, uh, 24. Okay. So you were like done school and stuff. Yeah. I I got my job. Like I was kind of like just paying off student loans and just living I was continuing to live the student lifestyle in order to pay off my student loans quicker. Right. Right. Um, you know, get your, your, you bought, you buy your first car or whatever, um, that you own and all that kind of stuff. And then this is about the time I met you. So you met me when I was still like a shitter wanting to be racer. But you, even at that point, you still had your spandex and pro helmet and like expensive bike and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you needed those for the first couple races you did, though, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, so, so no one's showing up to a Cat 5 race like wearing their tearaways or anything, right? Everyone's no. um, actually in the legit stuff. And there, there's, there's reasons why you wear that, basically because it doesn't get caught, because it stays cool, because it has pockets and it's pretty functional, right? Um, people have this... this what's, what's the word I'm looking for? notion that like oh they're just showing off their body or whatever it's like no like it's really just about what once you realize you don't people don't give a shit about what you wear and you should just wear what you want because it's useful to you or it looks nice or whatever 
like you you feel a lot better and and spandex like spandex on a bike is one of those things right it's it's cool it's stretchy doesn't stick to you when it's sweaty and you have pockets right like it, that's and padding padding on your ass is so important and um it's just kind of like this perfect thing between like form and function that looks ridiculous to the outside world but you know as the wearer of it you're like why isn't this like standard why doesn't everyone do this on a bike right yeah no i i can i can understand that so yeah i don't know so that's just kind of like a rant um because i see a lot of people oh i look so ridiculous i'm like dude no one cares and you'll be much more comfortable if you do it right um true so so that's when that's when we finally met and you you had a couple races under your belts but you were still uh cat five scum pretty much like like i wasn't even like top two thirds of cat five. I was like, Oh wow. Last, like, like barely not like, yeah, you know what? No, let's just go with it. I, I was shitty. Like there's no way I was coming near the front of a race. Right. Like my entire race experience up to that point was watching the fast people ride away from me. Oh, that's sad, but humbling at the same time. Yeah, no, you're like, even like, and then, what happened was, yeah, like I, I got a girlfriend and um, you want to spend time with them, right? You're like, oh, I, I should go for a workout, but you know, oh, fuck, is it? Hmm? Yeah, it's yeah, just spontaneously bleeding. still coming out. So anyway, um, so you want to spend time with them and like, you know, Sunday morning, you're like, oh, I could go for a ride. It's like, no, let's go to brunch. And you're like, okay. Right. You, you, you know, it's not like a reluctant. Okay. You're like, you're happy to go to brunch. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's around this time in my life where I discovered how awesome brunch is. Oh, brunch is pretty yeah, awesome. But, yeah. No, like you don't have to wake up early for breakfast, but you get hungry. So like, oh, okay. Um, give me a second. It's, it's, it's not stopping. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's still, still so yeah. pouring out. Are you? Are you? Gonna, <laughs> it's like going into your mouth, <laughs> uh, dude. This 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 is like a small nosebleed compared to what I had. Like, this is actually the smallest nosebleed. You, you know, if, if if uh, if if you uh, were anticipating the nosebleed to be such an issue, you could have told me we can try once your nosebleed stops, but I appreciate you still making the effort literally working um, so, through. Blo- so I actually didn't tears. know. I didn't actually, like I thought today was good um, because I usually get them in the morning. Oh, and I didn't have, I didn't have a nosebleed yesterday. So t- I thought today we're in the clear. Right. Um, you, you missed a nose period. Yeah, exactly. Cause when you like, have a daily nosebleed, like I, it was literally daily. I'd wake up and be like, fuck it's, it's bleeding. Yeah. Um, Okay, we're gonna make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's already happening. We'll yeah, just keep it on until you get lightheaded from blood loss. Uh, I'm so like literally. This is the smallest nosebleed I've had. Um, so I'm I'm okay with it. So yeah, uh, met you. Huge, and huge. Everything went to shit. Yeah, totally. And and. 
this was like, so I, I dated her for a year and a half, um, maybe two out of like, kind of like in that range. And I didn't like, I wanted to pretend I was still riding my bike a lot. Um, the reality is I was not. Oh, so I would still, I would still show up to races thinking that I could compete. So I had another couple of years of like, wow, I'm terrible at this. Um, so, and then we broke up and I was like, you know what? Like I have a lot of free time now and I'm a little more like disciplined. Um, because I'm a little bit older, right? Like you kind of know, um, how to, how to section your time out and how to like, and you, and how to like make sure you effectively train and, and, and I think it's about this time where I bought like my next road bike. That was like a nicer road bike. So it's definitely, it was an upgrade. It was like top of the line components, carbon fiber frame and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah. Throughout this whole thing, were you still part of any clubs? Yeah, I was technically part of a club, but was I riding with them? Not really. Okay. And then this was the same club as like the very beginning still? Sort of. So what happened was hardcore is it's a, it's a mountain bike club, right? Yeah. So they're probably and not really they, present at those races, right? No, not really. Um, but I had also joined the Edmonton Road and Track Club, um, which shared a lot of the same members because a lot of people like to ride more than one kind of bike. Surprise. Hmm. Right. Um, well, I was going to ask if your first club knew about your second club and if you ever were caught holding hands with one walking down the street as the other one walked by in the same direction. And a, and a very over, terribly overused meme. Yeah. <laughs> so, so no, because they were always the same people I was riding with just on different bikes. Oh, okay. Um, so the transition to the Edmonton Road and Track Club wasn't like, Ooh, I, I, I don't like you guys anymore. It wasn't like a betrayal or anything. Yeah. Which, you know, has happened. It was kind of funny story. We had a, we had a guy who was like racing for us. And then one, one day he like completely stops talking. He leaves all the group chats and he just stops replying to like your messages, like checking up on like, you know how it's like, Hey, how you doing? Like, are you ready for the next race? And he just doesn't answer. Right. And, um, dude shows up wearing wearing tearaways actually like no no lie tearaways and 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 right before the race starts he rips away his tearaways like actually and he's wearing like someone else's like someone some other team's kit right and we're just like he wasn't wearing like three other tearaways to get like the russian pants effect no okay well uh, it could have been worse i guess it would it it was like 30 degrees that day so he would have had oh shit Nosebleed's coming back, thinking about those tearaways. Yeah. Russian tearaways, too. Ooh, oh, ooh. Ne- nested tearaway pants. Every, it gets a little bit more uh, titillating. As the, <laughs> a little tighter as you tear off each layer. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, like, dude just shows up in someone else's team kit, and we're just like, okay, like, you know, we're all adults here. We're all, like, literally... If you want to join a team, it would have been just nice to give us a heads up and just not ghost everybody, right? Uh, um, did he go yeah. on to do well in that race, or did you guys smoke him? He went on to do very well um, for himself. He was kind of, you know, I don't want to get into politics. He was always, 
he ended up jumping teams like two or three more times because no one could stand him. Oh. Yeah. Um, so what, 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 uh, I can't tell anymore. I just smeared out. What, what makes someone in a bike club unbearable? Just if they're always, if I guess if they're always talking about how hard they're training and how fast they are or their numbers or what they plan to do. Um, it's like if at the gym and to random people, you just be like, Hey man, I can bench 160 and you're like, great. That's, that's awesome. Right. But then like to the next person, you just be like, Hey man, I can bench 160. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Right. Like, Oh, so just really, um, kind of boastful about whatever he could do at the time. and, And to be honest, he, he was quick. Right. But the way, the way he did it, he, he was always trying to show off, always trying to like one up someone. Mm. And like, we're all not getting into the Olympics, right? We're all like mid to late twenties and we're not, we're not going to become pro. Like, who are you, who are you trying to impress here? Right? Like, we're just all, we're all in this for fun. Right? Like we're, we're doing this for fun. There's no need to like show off. There's no need to like, be enemies or or piss people off like this is something we've chosen to have do for as a lifestyle right yeah so that was kind of yeah so i don't think he rides for anyone nowadays just because he's cycled through everyone local and they're all just like we don't really like you man um oh he was quick though so and I think he quit because no one, no one would have him, to be honest. And all the clubs got together and broke his legs in a parking lot one day. Yeah, totally. No, <laughs> um, y'all ruthless. Yeah, yeah, man. Like guys in spandex will, all skinny guys in spandex are going to beat you up. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what kind of uh, concealed weapons they're carrying under that baggy spandex. It could be a shotgun. Is that a shotgun in your pocket? You're just happy to see me. A neither. So, so yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. I I got was I was a lot more. I had a lot more free time after after breaking up with her, or having her break up with me. I don't know. Um, undecided on that one. So I was like, you know what? That. This is if I'm gonna be. <laughs> yeah. So, I'll, that was a time where I was like, well, I have a lot of time. And I have more discipline, so like I might as well just like go all in on this thing that I really want to do and see how far I can get. Okay. Right. So you kind of like all in. You, you never, yeah, you never kind of took it as seriously as you would have liked to or had the time for. But then, like, yeah, a sudden shift of circumstances, you're like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna go balls to the wall, wrapped in spandex on this thing, and just take it more seriously. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you just smeared <laughs> so much across your face. <laughs> okay, I got it. I got it. There we go. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's it's getting bad. Yeah, no, it's um, I'm, my couch is still fine. So um, okay, yeah. So anyway, uh, so I'm like 26 or 27, and I was like, "Fuck it, let's make a run for it." 
Yeah. And then it still took me two years of like focusing training and like getting better in order to like even do well in cat five. So what did you change with your training other than just having more time for it? Did you actually like change what you yeah. did? And so like you definitely methods? need, yeah, you, you definitely need um, different kinds of rides to work on different things of your riding. So you, on the weekends you do like longer, really slower rides. Like you're just like, if you can't talk, you're going too fast. Right. So you want to be like conversational. You want to be breathing easy and you just go for long, long rides. Okay. So it's not just like killing yourself with the training. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, during the week when you had a little bit less time, you'd be, you'd be doing fast, hard, short rides, right. For like explosiveness mm. and you'd, you'd make sure you, you slept enough. Um, that was really important. It was like sleeping regular and you're basically turning into an old man at that point. You're, you're sleeping at like 10, you're waking up at like six to get, get on your bike and making sure you eat enough. And it's, it's a mix of things. Right. And, and I finally had like the freedom and the discipline to be like, I can do this now. Um, Side note, isn't it kind of weird how like we're in a culture where getting eight hours of sleep and eating healthy makes you sound like an old man? Yeah, it's kind of fucked actually, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, when we're like, when you were younger, you'd brag about how little you slept. And then as you get older, you brag about how much you get. And people yeah. are like, ooh, you got eight hours. I know. I, I, I remember really so many of those comments, especially like in school. I was like, oh, wow, it was so awesome. I got eight hours last night. And then like yeah. your friends would hear it just like start crying because they can't remember the last time they got eight hours of sleep. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like that morph, right? But then it was making getting eight hours like a priority in your life, right? Because um, I think even even nowadays, everyone's like, you get eight hours like coincidentally right oh i have nothing to do and i'm tired and i just fell asleep right yeah it's not like okay i'm gonna drop whatever i'm doing at 9 30 brush my teeth get into bed and start reading so i'm gonna sleep by 10 30 like you no know one what? now that you mentioned that i i definitely remember you like having conversations with you about like how much you really prioritize sleep and stuff and then you'd be like upset if someone texted you at midnight or something about something like not even important. <laughs> You're like, I need to prioritize my sleep. Yeah. It, and it's actually like, I don't know. It sounds really like being like an asshole, but like, dude, like your life is so much better. Um, you're just less crankier. You, you kind of like you wake up and you're ready to like attack the day instead of like, I'm going to roll in bed and fuck around. Right. It's, it's very it's just different, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of relaxed nowadays because I don't even know what day it is anymore or time it is. Um, thanks, thanks, COVID. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, well, but at least at the time that you were starting to do this, you had much more control over your sleep schedule and eating schedule and time that. You yeah, like my 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 job had like. I definitely know the hours I'm working now and it's fairly stable income stable. Like the rest, the other aspects of your life are like very stable. So you can, you can choose to make certain parts of your life dynamic. Right. Yeah. Um, 
you, you need like a platform of stability to like kind of improve upon some part of your life, right? Like, yeah, if you're, if a lot of things are happening at work, you can't really improve at home because you're too busy focusing at work. But if work is stable, you, you now have a chance to like do other things, right? Yeah. Like you got pretty at work, you got pretty used to like hitting your uh, daily quota of Reddit karma. So you feel, feel like you didn't yeah. have to spend as much mental energy. Yeah, there was a lot that. of, I have, I have a lot of Reddit karma on my old uh, account. Um, for whatever reason, it doesn't work anymore. So probably got too much. Yeah. Too much, too much ret- virtual points. Yeah. You just broke, broke the internet before breaking the internet was a thing. Totally. Um, so yeah, it, it was kind of like, and then that, that, that period has lasted till now. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, pretty much. Like I, I, I've, I've relaxed on the whole making sure I eat like the right kind of food and you kind of just, I eat whatever I want um, as long as I eat enough of it. And I, I naturally sleep for like seven and a half to eight and a half hours. Like I don't have to like think about it anymore. Right. I'm just like, Oh, I'm tired. And it's like 1030. I just go to sleep. Right. So do you find that relaxing your uh, diet and sleep patterns and things like that has like, have you still progressed at the pace that you've been progressing or has it slowed down? Um, I don't know actually, cause you're expected essentially I'm, I've slowed down now because it's also really fucking hard to win a race. Right. Um, yeah. because everyone else is doing the same thing. Everyone else is fast at this point. Right. Like, yeah. Um, in cat three, right. I'm at the category where people generally, um, for lack of a better, they stay there because it's really hard to get in category two, right? Um, like category two, like honestly, like these guys are, for lack of a better word, they, they could, they're not going to give pros a run for their money, but like they're pretty close to that level, right? Like these are, these are either genetically gifted or, or riding 20 hours a week. Yeah. Right. Um, and then a lot of guys, they, they end up staying in cat three, which is where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they're unwilling to say train more than 15 hours a week and, or maybe they just got dealt. I'm at the point where you have to think about, um, how good you are actually like genetically gifted, right? Like, did I get the right genes to do this thing? Yeah. Um, and the answer for an overwhelming majority of people is no i didn't so i'll always be at this level right how 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 big of a role do you think genetics actually plays into like getting past cat three because i'm I'm sure there's some people who are like your body type who are in higher categories than you right yeah so so genetics it so cat three is the last level that you can get through with pure hard work right so you think there's no one like above cat three with with your body type no no no. it's not about body type it's how you respond to training right if i put in five hours of um one type of training and another guy put in the same five hours he might get uh, more training benefit out of it than i do right um it's like mm-hmm. if you went to the gym and then you did like like a certain weight for like a week right and then some people would be doing that same way for two months before they could, they could 
to go to the, like a, um, a higher bracket, right? Like to put five pounds on the bar end of the barbell and they could do it. Right. But yeah. some guys could do it in like two weeks. Right. Yeah. So you're kind Just of comparing they, this to like having the correct form and stuff like is the biggest yeah. jump, but then you plateau and you feel like cat three is a plateau where you need something extra to get past that level. Yeah. So you can still get in a cat two with raw, raw hard work. It doesn't happen often. Like if you get dealt a pretty shit hand, you can still get in cat two with like hard work. Right. Um, to be successful in cat two, you need to, you have to have a genetic advantage. Right. Um, if you, if you, if you have a shitty genetic advantage in cat three, you say you put in 20 hours a week. So that's like, that's half, like that's four hours a day for five days a week. Right. Um, and then you could probably get into cat two, but you'll be at the back. Mm. Right. Yeah. And if you ever want to be at the front, you, you probably don't, you probably can't train more than 20 hours a week, right? right. Because of your job, because of your family, whatever, you, you're probably not doing 20, more than 20 hours a week. So that's kind of the so threshold like, for like where you, you got to be to become a pro. Like y- y- you can't, you can't have a day job, a full-time day job and, and do that. Yeah. Unless you're genetically gifted, right? Like unless 20 hours a week, you're, you're, you're fucking flying. Like I know if I put in 20 hours a week, I might be able to get in cat too. Right. Um, I might be able to do okay in it, but I'll never be at the front. Right. And you know, as an older person now, like you kind of accept that and you kind of race just for fun and because your friends are there, right? You're like, Hey, I get to see them next weekend, hang out, drink a few beers, race bikes, you know, generally have a good time. It's, it's not so much about the result anymore. Right. So you still like have fun and enjoy your time and still do like, okay. In cat three, even though yeah, like, it just so, feels like you're hanging out and drinking beers with your friends. Yeah. So basically you're at a comfortable level where, you're you're happy right like you're not you're not getting shit on but you're not like winning races right if if Um, you like just get into the notoriously crazy cycling party life and start doing really bad after you get into cat three and like come at the back of the pack with all your races can you get demoted back to like cat four or cat five um no unless you're over 30 Oh, okay. So, but if you are over 30, you can? Yeah, because they give you like, a, it's called a daddy downgrade. Um, yeah, basically. What about because the mommies? Is there a mommy downgrade? There is. Um, women's cycling works a little bit differently because there's less people in it. Um, oh, so these races are, they're like, they're not co ed races. No. Um, oh. Yeah, so, so basically, like, not, not to downplay on the ladies, like, uh, Cat four and five race together for the women because there just isn't enough um, female racers to have a good race, right? Like, what's the point of showing up to a race if, like, four girls show up, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, wow, the, and then... The, the gender disparity is that big, hey? I'd say it's 80% male. Wow. And, you know, I've, I've made a lot of effort to, because I run, I run a cycling club now, I made a lot of effort to kind of promote this towards, towards women and, and try to approach parity because I bet you half of bike ride, like people who ride bikes are women, right? right? But somehow in this aspect of the sport, 
it's 80 to 90% male. And, and why, why is that? Right. Yeah. Probably because all the males get nosebleeds whenever they think about girls. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally thinking about girls right now and not um, just trying to make my, my nose not bleed. So where in this process did you like start to get more involved with this bike club and then eventually like take on an executive role in this bike club to the point um, where you can actually. So it, like... it, it, it happened right about the same time. Um, I, because I, my job was pretty stable and I had like a fairly, I thought I was like fairly rational and pretty good at like doing policy and stuff. And the club I was in, it was kind of like floundering for leadership because a lot of people had left um, because a lot of sponsors had left. Is this before or after Tearaway Pants Guy? Uh, same time. Oh, it all just went to shit all at the same time, hey? It really, it really did. Um, like 80% of the club left, including everyone who was fast. What year was this? Did anything big happen or was it just like a bunch of coincidences? It was a bunch of coincidences. Like nothing happened. Like no world events happened. Um, It was just people got families. Like basically like there was a bunch of guys around the same age. Yeah. Who were really fast at bikes. Right. Yeah. And they all left at the same time because like we can't race for like, we can't train for 20 to 25 hours a week anymore. We have kids and wives and whatever. Right. Yeah. Oh, that, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So they all kind of left at the same time, and now like they're all you know mid forties and have family, like teenager kids, right? Right. Um. So you they all have to stay heading this club until like their kids join the club. Um. Probably. Honestly, it's a thankless job. Um. So so, anyways, because we haven't actually talked about this, I am the. I'm the president of the Edmonton Road and Track Club, right? Um, we are like the biggest road-based cycling adult club in Edmonton. Yeah. Um, so we have like 150 members of, of various ages. Um, so I, I basically said, yeah, I'll do it because no one else will, right? Yeah. Um, and because I, I, believe, like, I honestly believed I could like do a good job. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I'll do it because I have to or whatever. I'll, I, I, I'll do it because I, I think I'll do a good job. Hmm. Um, so how, but, how, what kind of cool stuff has uh, the clout of being the president of this club gotten you? Nothing. <laughs> Thankless job, man. What about all like these uh, um, lucrative podcast guest appearances? Oh yeah, I am getting paid so much money to be on this uh, on this on this show. I can rep all my brands and get paid. Yeah, this episode, by the way, is brought to you by our lovely sponsors. Oh, actually, we don't have this time. Sorry, I can't pay you. And now you're bleeding out both nostrils upon yeah. learning this fact. <laughs> no, I think what what's happening is it's overflowing one and just going through the other. Oh, yeah, it's flowing big time. If you yeah. guys are just listening to the audio, you're missing out quite a show on the video. So make sure you check um, out the video as well. <laughs> do you want to like pause this for like 10 minutes and I'm going to go like get rid of all this shit? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. okay. I'll pause. Albert had a bad nosebleed and had to go clean it up and he's been gone for a while now. So if you were here, I would say thank you for joining me on 
being my first guest of a new season of the Beyond Bits podcast to talk about your passion for cycling, which you have shed so much light on and shared some interesting stories about. So thank you for that. And maybe you can come on again soon, hopefully with your nose in slightly better condition and maybe talk about one of your many other passions in the same way because this was fun. And I think our viewers and listeners had a good time too making it through my bad jokes and hearing some interesting stories from today's guest. So thanks again, Mr. Albert, uh, on talking about your passion for cycling and what kind of projects you've taken upon yourself throughout the whole cycling journey and kind of the thought processes that were going on in your mind, which I like to coin these as playlists to keep the triple P theme of the podcast, passions, projects, and playlists on the Beat on Bits podcast going. So yeah, thanks for that. And thanks for tuning in and we shall see you next time. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Beat on Bits podcast, the show about passions, projects, and playlists. Thanks for listening so far. If you want to send me a message, you can reach me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BeatOnBits, B-D-O-N-B-I-T-S. If you like this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or give it a like on Spotify. Can you even do that? I don't know. But yeah, show your support. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, also under the name of Beat on Bits, if you want to see video versions of these episodes. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.